G'day Footyology listeners, Roko here. Enjoy our podcast? Well, you can become an official Footyology podcast supporter simply by using the supporter feature through ACAST. There's no subscription or regular commitment, just the sheer satisfaction that comes with knowing you've kept the debt collectors from our door. No, just kidding. It does help though. If you want to get started, you just need to follow the support this show link in the show description. Thanks again. And now let's get on with it. Hello everyone, welcome to Footyology Final Siren, wrapping up the last Friday night home and away game of the season. And wow, what a cracker. Um, A real pity no crowds in at Marvel Stadium because this was a ripper of a game in the finish after a pretty slow first half, but huge result um, for Port Adelaide and the Western Bulldogs. Port Adelaide officially clinching a top two spot on the ladder, and with that, uh, a guarantee of two home finals. So, haven't seen the latest odds, but I suspect their flag odds have shortened dramatically on the back of that amazing two-point win over the Western Bulldogs, trailed pretty much the whole evening until four minutes, 58 seconds left on the clock when Robbie Gray's final goal of the game gave the power the lead. As for the Western Bulldogs, well... It's um, chew your fingernails time because they will be dependent upon West Coast beating Brisbane at the Gabba to hang on to a double chance. And of course, with no pre-finals by this year, that takes on even bigger uh, ramifications. Uh, We estimate the percentage difference now between Brisbane and, um, sorry, uh, Brisbane, the Western Bulldogs is 0.17%. So uh, there's a whole range of possibilities there, but we're uh, saying Brisbane need to beat West Coast by around the four to five goal mark uh, to move into that double chance. And that, you'd think, would probably slash their flag odds considerably too. The Bulldogs' third loss in a row. Big ramifications there. Come and join us, people. Come and ask your questions. What does this mean for the flag race? Are the Bulldogs gone as a flag chance? Port Adelaide, are they now as good a flag chance as the likes of Melbourne and Geelong? You'd think they'd have to be, given that latter position. How would you see the game? Um, Any controversy you want to talk about? Uh, Anything at all, put it on the agenda. We will endeavour to answer as many questions as we can over the next hour or so, and then we'll be going through our tips for the rest of the final round. As I say, very good evening to my Footyology Final Sign co-host, Mark Fine, well, Finey, this is one tip you got back on me. Well tipped, um, but boy, uh, they left it late in the piece to hit the front. It was a late, late, late show for the power to finally claim a top four scalp, but how important. And they are now in the mix, right in the mix, if you don't mind. Giorgiardi's injury will have some impact, especially given how little impact Dixon had on the game. For Doggies fans, I guess, when the final siren went, they would have been absolutely disconsolate, but maybe a little bit more encouraged by the mathematical gymnastics done by ourselves, Rowan, that says that, yes, Brisbane have to win by between four and five goals, and that gives a little bit of wiggle room to the Bulldogs in terms of West Coast losing, but them still making the finals. So there's plenty to play out there. 
Rowan, I've got a hero from tonight's game. Who's that? Look, we often talk about the umpiring. Now, given what we've had this season, which is play on at all costs and the throw becoming part of the game, what a magnificent decision by the much maligned Ray Chamberlain within a minute to go of the siren, Ray Chamberlain, not Chamberlain, Ray Chamberlain, a minute to go in this hugely important game. How often, look, they put the whistles away with a minute to go often. Throws have been let go all season. Lewis Young gets the ball out to a teammate. The Bulldogs are streaming into goal. The whistle goes, it's called back. And the slow motion replay, which of course Ray doesn't have, absolutely justifies the decision. Great call because it has such an impact on Port, on the Bulldogs, on Brisbane, on the finals. That was a great decision. Well, it was a bold call. Uh, we can talk about that, people. How did you see it? Uh, was it the right call? Was it? Oh, uh, hey, there's no discussion there. Lewis Young with two hands <laughs> through the ball. So there well, you go. there is a discussion because other people might have an opinion different to yours. That's what we're trying to do. Anyway, get your questions. Okay. No questions on the throw, everyone. Because No, well, there's none. I mean, you saw it. What was it? Uh, oh, I thought it was a throw. Yeah. Yeah, there you go. Now, well, I everyone's trust entitled you. to an opinion for it. I bet you I bet you every person thought it was a threat. Well, let's see. Um, all right, get your questions in. There's a whole lot coming through. So let's whip through the details quickly. And whilst we're doing that, you can send some more questions in. Uh, well, uh, the Bulldogs off to an absolute fire in this game. Four goals in that first quarter to just one. I think it was three in about the first 10 minutes or so as he fumbled around for his notes and can't find the first quarter ones, of course. But uh, I think they had four goals, uh, sorry, three goals from their first five, four or five inside 50s. And for most of the night, that looked like it might actually be a very costly five or 10 minutes for the power. They were just the one goal at quarter time. And in fact, they were just the one goal at halftime after a very, very dour second term. Just one goal scored that to Jason Johannesson and the Bulldogs ahead by 19 points at halftime. But, uh, boy, the complexion of this game really changed in the third quarter. A, a relative goal fest. Nine goals kicked in the quarter. Port made, making their intentions known very early in the piece. Three goals in the first eight minutes of that uh, term. Uh, that's when Georgiades also did his hamstring. So they got back to within one point. The Bulldogs then steady with three goals of their own. Cody Whiteman, pivotal in that period, kicked one and had a hand in the other two. Port came back again, goals to Boak and Laddams. Hunter, the last goal of the third term. And then when Adam Chalor kicked the first goal of the last quarter, and that took nearly 11 minutes, the Dogs were 15 points up with a bit under 12 minutes left to play. Well, Port, a fantastic last 10 minutes or so of this game. A check side snap from Ollie Wines. Brilliant snap. Reduced the gap to nine points with about eight and a half minutes left. Travis spoke and curled a ripper around from a very tight angle. And it was three points of difference with just over seven minutes to play. And then Robbie Gray found space. And uh, you wouldn't want anyone else with the ball in their hands kicking in such a, a critical moment for your team to hit the front. He put Port in front with four minutes, 58 seconds left on the clock. That was the final goal. The Dogs have one half chance at the end. Bailey Smith driving the ball into the goal square. Aaron Norton desperately trying to take the mark, but uh, the Port defenders rushed the ball over the line. The kick-in came with three seconds left. 
And Port ended up with a guaranteed top two spot. So the final scores, Port Adelaide, nine goals, 12-66, defeating the Western Bulldogs, 10-4-64. Let's have a look at the goal kickers for the victors. It was two to Rosie, two to Adams, two to Boak, two to Gray, and that terrific check side snap from Ollie Wines at a critical moment. For the Doggies, two to English and the rest, all singles. Bontempelli, Norton, Dunkley, Johannesson, Waitman, Vandermeer, Hunter and Trelaw. The best, as voted by you, Finey, you've gone with for the power. Travis Boak, just outstanding on a weekly basis this year. Ollie Wines, ditto him. Rosie, McKenzie, very good in defence. Scott Wysett, a real powerhouse in the ruck, in fact. Port won the hitouts this evening, 51 to 18. So absolutely dominant there. And Robbie Gray sealing the win with that critical goal at the end. For the Doggies, you've gone with Hunter, McRae, Trelaw, Dale, Keith and Smith. There you go. There are the details, the best and the goals. Let's rip into some questions. Trout from Wood End is first up tonight. And he says, bad kicking is good footy tonight as Port won with 21 to 14 shots on goal. Well, you wouldn't have said that until late in the piece, would you? I mean, at, at their worst, after Trelaw's goal, I wrote down the scores, and it was 10-3 to 6-12. So um, 18 shots to 13 and trailing by 15 points, but made every post a winner at the end. Just on uh, that, Rowan, a lot of those weren't actually missed shots. They were... Kicks from too far out to the goal square that was sort of punched through and they didn't get their range right in the first half, did they? No, no, they didn't. And uh, they they still did. They missed quite a few gettable ones, I thought. But, um, you know, it's been a story of this season. Accuracy is just so critical. Uh, Sean T. Kimball says, what is a home final with crowds worth? I would say even more than usual because we're now in a situation where a lot of these... Victorian teams, I think, have become accustomed to playing games in front of no crowds. And suddenly, I mean, you wouldn't want to be going to play Port as the away side in an Adelaide Oval final, would you? No. And, and conversely, how excited would the Port players be having to really, you know, sacrifice? All, everybody's sacrificing a lot. But to get back home, into their homes, training, normal life, and a huge crowd behind them. What a what an important win for them, Rowan. They're in the mix. No, absolutely. And I've got to be honest, I mean, I've said most of this season I didn't think they were quite good enough. And, uh, you know, look, had Robbie Gray not kicked that last goal and they went under by three points, I'd probably still be saying it now. But, yeah, cool. um, yeah, I think there are, there are probably more ramifications for the dogs out of this result almost than Port because unlike 2016, I just don't know if you can win it now from the bottom half of the eight without that um, pre-finals rest up. They've lost three in a row. No chance to re, you know, sort of recalibrate, rest up some uh, injured and sore players. Uh, they're, they're really pushing it uphill now. Now, let's stay on the dogs. Stephen Smith asked, what was Luke Beveridge thinking with the setup of his side tonight? Did come in for a bit of criticism, finally. Uh, I know they played uh, Lewis Young as a ruckman, English forward. Uh, your thoughts on that? At three-quarter time, I thought, all right, this has 
sort of worked. It hadn't really worked, but they, they were two goals in front. What a perfect time to swing a relatively fresh English into the ruck and capitalise on the scoreboard and the fact that we can now win more clearances. But they didn't. They put him behind the ball. That, I think, was poor coaching, Rowan, straight out. I really thought English was set to ruck for the entire last quarter. I don't get it at all. You, yeah. you know, this is interesting, by the way. Lee Preveridge is premiership coach, but he's never coached the Bulldogs into the top four. Uh, true, true. They came from fifth in 2016, year before they uh, were they uh, they lost to Adelaide, didn't they? They might have been yeah. sixth, I think, uh, going into that game. Um, all right, now it'll certainly be a talking point for the next few days. David Sanderson says, if anyone was to kick for my life, I hope it would be Robbie Gray. Tend to agree. Ryan says, Bulldogs have shirked the issue in every final and most big games since their premiership. Well, the finals record isn't good, is it? Um, that's uh, two elimination finals since the flag for two losses. They got smashed by GWS and got beaten. I oh, that St Kilda final was pretty close, wasn't it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, they've just gone into a trough at the wrong time of the year. I think, you know, this flag was always going to be about who was playing the best football at the, at the right moment. Now, having said that, I mean, we've still got four weeks to go, haven't we? Well, hang you know, on, hang on. They haven't missed out on the top four yet. Yeah, well, that's true. I, I think they will. Well, again, Brisbane have to win by... Th- no, I think West Coast are gone. Have yeah, you seen the I mean, ins and outs? Yeah, yeah, I've seen who's out for them. No Kelly, no Kennedy. I mean, yeah. Isn't but McGovern which, out? But, pardon? Isn't McGovern yeah. out? Yeah. <laughs> They're pretty considerable outs. Yeah, you know what I think of McGovern. Um, but it's just been an odd season, right? It has been a very odd season. Yeah, well, uh, okay. Stranger things have happened. Let's keep going. Um James Terrell, what a game. The Port Stars stood up. They certainly did. Yeah. Uh, SP Benno. Is so just dev- on Stars, Rowan, how about those best six for the Bulldogs? I reckon for the first time this year, Bonten- somebody's Bonten- name isn't in it. Yeah. No, they really put the squeeze on him, didn't they? And uh, they had a plan to do it. Hard, to, Always hard to assess these things when you're watching on TV rather than being there, but... Um, he just couldn't seem to find much space tonight. And I think uh, after that initial 10 minutes when they got away with those first three or four goals, Port really did tighten up. I mean, you know, they turned it into an absolute scrap in that second quarter. It was pretty ordinary stuff to watch at times, but then it was they who were able to create more run, I think, than the Bulldogs. And and that's been the, the thing about the Bulldogs in the last three games now. They just haven't been able to generate any sort of outside run, particularly off half-back, and that's been such a strength for them. You know who was on Bontempelli quite a bit tonight when I was looking? And a really good matchup because physically the right size was Xavier Dersma. Yeah, yeah. He's deceptively strong, Dersma. He's got quite a big, big body. Uh, I mean, he's quite tall too. Uh, all right, let's keep going. Uh, SP Benno, is Beveridge a good coach? Yes. Mm-hmm. I mean, look, I remember writing this piece after 2016. I, I thought that was one of the great uh, 
individual coaching performances of all time across the year. Because if you remember, they had a heap of injuries. Um, they were quite uh, proactive in, in rotating guys in and out of that side. They won that flag without much of a forward setup. They won that flag finishing 12th only for points scored, which is, I think the Swans in 2005 were also 12th for points scored, but they are the two lowest ranked attacks to have won a flag in the last, I don't know, 30, 40 years. So, you know, that alone says you can coach. Uh, I know you've had your issues with him in the years since then, Fanny, but they rebuilt oh, that side. That was a great effort. They rebuilt that side pretty quickly after that flag too, which is quite a bold gambit. I think he recognised that whilst that side had done it, maybe he couldn't do it again. So, yeah, I'd, I'd still rate him pretty highly. Yeah, I, I am just a little surprised. Can somebody explain to me why they played Jamari Eugle Hayden for three or four weeks with Bruce and Norton, and when Bruce went out, got rid of Jamari Eugle Hayden? Yeah, I don't know. Uh, maybe they decided to go with a slightly shorter and perhaps more mobile forward line. Maybe they thought Eugle Hagen doesn't apply enough defensive pressure. Maybe they thought after that trial period, he's just not ready yet. Um, but it's interesting that that happened in combination with Shaki tonight being the medical sub because, yeah. you know, if he had a, been on the ground, um, they could have at least had a little more flexibility, couldn't they? Strange medical sub, <laughs> Shaki. Yeah, we generally expected someone in that role to be a bit more... Well, he's Versatile. flexible, though. He can play forward or back, though, can't he? So, yeah, anyway, yeah. let's keep uh, moving. Yeah. Uh, Grant King says, Doggy's mids running power miles off. Um, that's an interesting one, isn't it? It's not yeah. necessarily a quick midfield, is it? Now I think about it. Yeah. Uh, what do you make of Dunkley since he's come back? Yeah, he hasn't been very prominent. No. Um, Trelaw's been all right. You know who I feel like's fallen off, not a cliff, but fallen away a bit, is East East Melbourne's finest mullet. I don't think he's having nearly the impact this year that he had last year. So all all, all right tonight. He was good. He won a big ball with about three minutes to go. There were three Port Adelaide players and him on the outer wing. And it would have been just about off to the races. I really like Bailey Smith. I mean, Libble was well held tonight, wasn't he? Yeah, didn't notice him much at all. Uh, all right, now just a few comments on the throw, which you talked about. We won't respond to them because they're just people's opinions. And you're right, they do all agree with you. Razor spot on, says James Tyrrell. David Sanderson says clear throw. Uh, Stephen Smith says the right call. Um, Chris Hale agrees, right call. So there you go, four out of four, back in the throw. Uh, Tom, Port Adelaide supporter, says, I thought we were done at quarter time, but the boys look possessed after half time. Well, the Mm. one thing, the one thing, Fanny, and to you, Tom, the one thing that would have given them plenty of encouragement, I think, is that, uh, you know, besides the scoreboard, um, they actually were dominating the statistical categories at half time. He said, I'm not having much luck finding my notes tonight, to be perfectly honest, because... Oh, here you're right. They, they felt like they were in the game, didn't mm. they? Okay, well, at half-time, they'd had uh, about 40 more disposals 
they were leading the inside 50 count by five, 27 to 22, smashing the hitouts. They'd had eight ball clearances. They'd won 10 more contested possessions. They had 33 more uncontested possessions and the marks inside 50 were six to two. So I'm sure that Kenny Hinckley would have, you know, I'm sure he would have accentuated the positive at halftime rather than saying, you know, come on, what are you doing? Because I, I suspect strongly that his message would have been, well, here you go. Like, if you didn't know what the scoreboard was, he'd swear we were in front. All we've got to do is tidy up our conversion, get some more gettable sort of shots inside that 50. And what you were saying is right. They did really... I mean, say so some of those goals in the second half were quite... Uh, Easy goals, weren't they? Even Gray shot, which put him in front. You know, he's 25, 30 metres out, slight angle. Much, um, much better lowering of the eyes in the second half. Lowering the eyes. It is a, one of our favourite expressions in the modern era of commentary. I would say this, Rowan. If I would have told you at half time, given that they only had one goal on the board, that Dixon would possibly be worse in the second half than he was in the first half... Yeah, he had the. He was on the angry pills too, wasn't he? he got really shirty at Alex Keith. At <laughs> Did you read Alex Keith's mouth once? Oh, I didn't know what he said. I'm not a lip reader. What do you think he said? You know when they were pushing and shoving. I think yeah. after um, I think Laddams had a set shot for goal, but there was a real push and shove between Dixon and Keith. Hmm. He looked at Dixon and he sort of mouth, "What the hell's wrong with you?" Yeah, 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 I did, I did say that. Because I, I couldn't work out why Dixon was so annoyed. I don't know if there was something we missed. But but look, that is um, that is something I think we've got to consider with Port too, that like Dixon didn't play well. Todd Marshall, pretty inconspicuous. No Georgiades now. Um, yeah. Actually, Laddam stood up pretty well for him. And, uh, Especially in that third quarter. Yeah, so... I mean, does he become, you know, virtually a permanent key forward and Lysette? We've seen that Lysette, uh, Lysette did a great job in the ruck in the um, 2018 grand final for West Coast. So, um, yeah, maybe a lot of forward responsibility now on Laddams. Uh, all right, David Thurling says, whoever finishes eighth will be hoping Brisbane beat the Eagles. The dogs look gone. I oh, look, I, we said that we said that before. Now... If Essendon beats Collingwood, they will finish eighth. I think I've got to be honest. Uh, it's funny because the Bulldogs have been a real nemesis for Essendon, but having Do beaten it. them, yeah, having beaten them two weeks ago, and yeah. the Dogs having lost three, I, I don't think there's any doubt Essendon would rather be playing the Bulldogs than Brisbane at the Gabba. Now the interesting thing will be if they, if Essendon get in, if they play the Bulldogs, where will that final be? Now, correct- I th- you know, I think they said, look, Bulldogs might have, they're going to try and give the team that deserves the advantage at least the choice. And I think Bulldogs have said they want to play in Adelaide. Okay, but we're, we're saying, I, I think um, I've been out of the loop a bit today, to be honest, but I'm pretty sure the AFL is basically definitively saying they will not play finals in front of no crowds. Yeah, no, there's not, not in Melbourne. Not happening. Okay. It's either Adelaide or Tassie, it seems. Um, and great news for Essendon tonight. What's that? Well, didn't I hear in the call that Jason Johnson's back? Oh, is that BT again? Yep. Okay. <laughs> um, well, it's a bit for the Bulldogs, but yeah. 
how old JJ be now? I reckon he'd probably be 42 or something. He's such a good bloke, Jason. You know, I did a lot of radio with him. and He's, he's a lovely bloke. And uh, he's carved out a very successful career as a caterer. Oh, yeah. With, health, with his healthy food stores. What's yeah. a and he was the – he ran the um, – I don't know if he still does. He, he ran the, the Carlton uh, Cafe at Cape Princess Park. He did. I'll never forget when going in there for an interview without knowing that. And I said, what the hell are you doing here? <laughs> um, you were quite embarrassed. All right. Uh, Alf uh, says, wasted year. I presume we're talking about the dogs. Uh, Shorty Jackson. Now, there's not a lot of love for Todd Marshall here. Uh, Shorty Jackson says, thoughts on Todd Marshall as a player. Looks a real battler to me. Uh, he seems short on confidence. Like, I, you know... I would have said a couple of years ago he was looking like he could be anything, really. But yep, um, he's still a bit light, isn't he? he sort of gets a bit timid to me, a bit meek. He gets pushed out of the contest pretty easily. Uh, could do it. Reminds a me a bit size. of another Port Adelaide player, Justin Westhoff, Jack Watts. <laughs> Port Adelaide player. How many games did Jack Watts play for Port Adelaide? I don't know, uh, but no, they wish it was Justin Westhoff. He, he reminds me of the other Westhoff. All right, so more comments on the throw. Would have been a ripper in the Bledisloe. Uh, right up there with Mural Litherin as a throw. <laughs> uh, Chris Hale says, Wines was a beast, but it was Drew on Libad. Nullified him for the win. Yeah, very good Drew, wasn't he? Willem He's Hale. courageous. Oh, Willem, Willem too. Willem Drew. Sorry. He's uh, gutsy, uh, isn't he? Yeah, no, he's good. And uh, Jonathan Brown likes him a lot because I think he's a distant relative of Jonathan Brown or something. What uh, was Brown on? What What is Jonathan Brown on? What, what was he crapping on at halftime about Rewalt getting a paper bag of money for a Tassie final? Oh, really? Okay. As, so he's moved on from um, anti-lockdown stuff, has he? Uh, good to see. Um Tell you what, I can't get enough of uh, current and former players uh, not only expressing their opinions on the current pandemic, but uh, being given enormous amounts of uh, real estate in Melbourne's largest selling paper to expand on that. It's terrific. Uh, not to mention Sam Newman and Don Scott. I mean, who needs health experts and uh, politicians when you can have those people making decisions? Uh, James Tyrrell, uh, David Haley says, I think the dogs will go out in straight sets. Uh, well, it might be a straight set of one. Dave, <laughs> That's right, mate. Yeah, straight set. Might be a one set only game. Yeah. I, I look. I'll say if if the Bulldogs played Essendon, uh, I think I'd still be tipping the Bulldogs. Um, you're talking about a side that has won a final for six thousand days. Yeah, I, I don't know. Not I, me. Let's not get ahead of ourselves on the bowlers. Like they're not, you know, they're not Premiership material yet. Uh, all right, uh, Joe Hess says, Port beat one top four side for the whole season by only two points and then end up on top of the ladder. Surely that's a first. Well, they well, won't be on top of the ladder. Yeah, but well, they'll be second. I'll tell you what, though, Joe. It, look, it's a good point because um, we actually ran a piece on footyology in one of our commercial partners, Stats Insider. It was written by... Stats Insider's James Rosewarn, and it was a really good piece, and it was along the lines of no one's going to rank Port as a legitimate chance because of this inability to beat the top sides. But the fact is, if you can continue to beat the sides below you as reliably as they have, you're going to end up with sufficient wins so that you're 
you're still in there with a chance. You've just got to turn that element of your game around. And they have now won 21 consecutive games against bottom eight opponents. So um, they are incredibly consistent on that score, you know, and I think that that was an issue with Port. The gap between their best and worst was a real worry for a long time. I don't think that's a problem now for them. No, but, you know, last year they didn't beat a team above them on the ladder. Is that right? Yeah, because they were on top of the ladder for the entire season. Oh, yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> good point. Good point. Well, I did come within, what, six points of beating the eventual Premier, didn't they, in the preliminary final? Yeah. Uh, all right, let's keep moving on. Alex Eckling says, a lot of attention on Norton, who is a forward but who struggles to kick goals, and English, who is a big... Uh, a big player who doesn't ruck. This is a really unconventional team. Can Beveridge resolve these issues in five weeks to win a flag? Well, it's worth remembering, and look, the circumstances are very different. Um, But I can remember in 2016 watching the Bulldogs play Geelong at Geelong. I think it was around 19 or 20. It was, you know, two or three rounds out. That was the week they lost a whole lot injured. They got beaten very comfortably. You know, they would have been 50 to 1 to win the flag at that stage. Now, having that week off between the last game and the finals that year, they got five key players back for that elimination final. But nonetheless, they did win in Perth. Uh, They did then beat Hawthorne, who were a top four side, and they did then beat GWS on their home ground. I mean, um, that's where I rate Beveridge. I, I, I think... You can never look at the Bulldogs, even after three losses in a row now. I don't think you can look at them and say they're gone. I think they are one side which can turn it around very quickly. They've got a problem in the ruck. Stefan Martin didn't play tonight. Beveridge said last week, just even if he's right, he hasn't played for a long time. I don't think he's going to play next week. This is where an extra week would have helped them because they're in the VFL finals. He might have been able to have a game. Uh, or two. They yeah. can't with that ruck set up. Well, they Trade are. Them. Oh, yeah, okay. Sorry. They are in the VFL finals, but they don't resume, yeah. of course, for another Till, two They weeks. don't play this. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. that's the problem. Yeah, no, I, I think uh, if they Trade play... Draper's in pretty good form, mate. I was going to say, if they play... Yeah, but if they play, isn't it? Yeah, I'm saying, if they play... Well, it's only going to be worse if they play Melbourne, for example. What's going to happen then against Jackson and Gorn? Yeah, well, I that's mean, true. Maybe, maybe they'll get away with it against Geelong. Maybe. Now, I'm just saying I expect them to play Essendon. If they do, gee, they cannot ruck Young and Mitch Hannon against Draper because Draper's very good around the ground and he's one of those guys that will just monster out of the middle. You know, he's like he's a bit like Nan Curvis. If Nan Curvis, his problem is that he's undersized in the ruck. But if he gets on a, a similar-sized opponent around the ground, he's going to destroy them. They cannot go with Young against Draper. I'm sorry. Uh, I'll, I'll be very bullish about Essendon if they do. Yeah, well, what's Martin's status? I mean, was he available? He wasn't available for selection tonight, was he? Well, they, he was touch and go. Okay. Well, he was supposed that... to be right. He was supposed okay. to be right. So he, he's got to come in next week. I think we accept that. All right, we've got, we've got a real bank up of comments oh, here, good. so I'm going to run no, through a few. No responses. Let's just run through. Uh, so Phil Van Dam points out, English was pantsed by Draper two weeks ago. Um, 
Simon Morris asks, is Robbie Gray Port Adelaide's best ever footballer? Quick one, Fanny, yes or no? And if not, who is? Uh, well, he's in the discussion with Travis Boak, Tred Ray. Um, they're, the, they're the two others, aren't they? I'd be tempted to go Travis Boak at this stage after the last two or three seasons. Yeah, he's um, great. Great player. And Wanganeen. Yeah. Oh, just amazing consistency, you know. Wanganeen was a brilliant Port player. I think... I'll ask you this. I reckon he was better at Port than at Essendon. What do you reckon? Yeah, well, he played longer there. I mean, he was at Essendon for... Jeez. Uh, uh, one, two, three, four, five, six years. And he was at Port for... what? When did he retire? I think he was at Port for longer. Seven or eight years. Yeah, no, I'd, I'd agree with that. I'd agree with that. All right, let's keep going. Superstar. Kicks uh, says, think Port and Giants are both coming into form at the right time. And GWS are an interesting one. I mean, again, I think the pre-finals buy is a huge factor. I think that for me, uh, but this is just a hobby horse of mine. I, I just think if you finish bottom half of the eight without a break, you don't win it. Did you see GWS's emergencies this week? No. Very interesting. One of them, Cornelio, no doubt. Absolutely. Yeah, who are the others? Braden Pruce. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah. Which means what, though? He's in the mix. Yeah, okay. I saw him called Star Recruit somewhere during the week. That was uh, <laughs> a bit Not rich. Not Melbourne or VWS, he hasn't been. bit rich, I thought. Hayden Murdoch says, Pies are now happy with Trelaw trade dollars aside. Pies got Henry. Stephen Smith says the Lions will win by 100-plus. Frogger says Port did drop some games versus other top eight sides, but they've also dealt well with injuries. Um, Daniel Luth says, do you think it would be preferable that we went back to having the clock counting up and not down? Uh, quick response, Fanny. Oh, no, no, I like it the way it is. I'm past caring about that, to be honest. Although... Although I do miss the Channel 10 style one, like so when Jason Ackermanis kicks the winning goal of the 2002 grand final, all, all you can hear is, as <laughs> the five-minute warning. Yeah. <laughs> um, Julian Evans says, still not convinced about Port, but if they played Geelong at home, maybe. Frogger says, close to regaining a pretty full-strength side and re rounding into form. Boke, Wines and Robbie Gray got them across the line. Yep, strong agree from me. David says Ollie Wines will go close to winning the Brownlow. Chris Howard, a good friend of the show. How are you, Chris? Says, according to the updated ladder, the Lions are 132.7, Dogs on 132.8. So Lions only need to win by a few points. And we, we think it's four to five goals on there. I think the most definitive answer was if the Brisbane concedes their average score to the opposition, I think it's 72 points. Yep. I think they need to win by 22 points. 27 points. Was it 27, was it? Okay, all right. That'll be 99. Yep. Exciting. Okay. All right. Uh, uh, Simon says, Brownlow Knight could be fascinating now. Surely Wines gets votes, Bont misses out. Absolutely. Hadn't thought about that. Down to the wire. Stephen Smith says, Hugo Hagen has to play next week. Uh, Tom again says, Tom Jonas, absolutely massive tonight. Yeah, he was very good. By the way, what do we think of that report uh, on Aaron Norton for uh, dangerous tackle on Jonas? He's not going to go for that, surely. 
absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, it was a bit over the top. Um, all right. Okay, answer this one, Finey, but try and do it briefly. Uh, Wild Panda says, as it, Finey, as a St Kilda man, the whole Ross line to Carlton thing. Thoughts? Well, uh, they just love a big name and somebody with a reputation. Look, I fully understand asking Clarko and making a big offer for Clarko. I do not understand replacing Teague with Ross Lyon. Uh, it's just not, it just doesn't make sense to me. Lyon's been out of it for a while. He didn't finish well at Fremantle. He, he sort of dropped away at St Kilda before he left a bit. But, you know, you'd, you'd get Clarko. I was thinking, Bob, I know this, just quickly, Rowan, how similar is Clarko to Craig Bellamy? And how could Hawthorne let him go? Oh, it was a, it was a big mistake. We, we've got to keep moving. Look, I, yeah. I'm, I'm now convinced Clarkson won't coach next year. Um, I, I, you know, look, I could be wrong. You know, maybe Carlton throws all Bruce Matheson's pokey money at him. But, you know, he, he does seem quite sincere. Well, I guess he seems sincere about coaching out the awful contract. So you changed your tune because I was saying he wasn't coaching next year and you were very... But that was... I was thinking that the AFL would try and parachute him into Gold Coast. And I think... Um, I think Stuart Dew might have done enough to hang on there. It's funny because I now think he might coach next year. Anyway, yeah. look, just on Ross Lyon, uh, Ronnie Lerner has written a really good piece about Ross Lyon for Footyology up online now. He's certainly got his doubts about how effective he can be. I would say the convictions against him are, are these, right? He talked about a, a rebuild at Fremantle but never really embraced it you know he was always sort of having a, a foot in either camp there I don't think they gave nearly enough opportunities to younger guys on that list the, this is my greatest concern and it sort of gets overlooked with the Ross Lyon story right it's that Fremantle finished on top of the ladder in 2015 and played in a preliminary final they finished 16th the next year with five wins and lost their first 10 games of the season there has never been a fall from grace as dramatic as that in the history of footy out, outside that year. That is, you've got to look at that and the alarm bells have got to ring. If, if you're a really good coach, you cannot let that happen, can you? I agree. I, I, I think that there are many holes in Ross Lyon as a coach, and that's why I don't think it would be right to replace David Teague with Ross Lyon. But Clarko, yes. Now, you think... Clark, I will have the year off. I've held that position. But now I'm not so sure. You see, until recently, he said he's made a commitment to spend, you know, it's a big year for his son doing final year of school. And he wants to be part of that dynamic. Yeah. But he said, do you know what he said today? What? That in a press conference, he said that he intends next year He's made a promise to travel overseas with his wife next year. Yeah. Who wants to break the news to him? That's an easy one to get out of, isn't it? I know, but like, well, I don't know. I just thought maybe he was a bit naive. But like, I felt like saying, Clacko, do you not read the papers, mate? Yeah, I'm saying, but that's an easy one to get out of where, look, they offered me this amount of money and as much as I wanted to travel overseas next year, I found out, I just found out, you're not allowed. All right, um, we'll move on just quickly. Uh, so a couple of comments from Kate. Hi, Kate. Good to see you. 
uh, I follow Kate on Twitter. And she says, not a comment on tonight, but an emotional emotional day tomorrow for us Hawks supporters, uh, Clarko and Silk, and an emoji with a tear. It will be. Yeah, I mean, look, it is a real shame, isn't it, that there's going to be no supporters there. I mean, has, really? there, been a, has there been a coach in our lifetime, you know, or maybe a couple, but, you know, if any coach deserves a rousing send-off, it's him. And if any player deserves a rousing send-off, it's uh, Sean Burgoyne. And it's got, there's got to be no one there. Um, it's quite tragic, really. But look, how great that both those guys, they are, they are massive figures, both of them, in the history of the club. And think think about this, Kate, that when, when Clarkson was initially appointed, it was to considerable opposition from powerful figures at the club. Uh, including, say, Dermot Brereton, who was very keen for Gary Ayres. So thank Jason Dunstall for that one. And Sean Burgoyne, there were reservations about him. He was seen as an injury-prone player on his last legs at Port Adelaide, and he's gone on and played another 12 seasons. Just phenomenal. Phenomenal. And how many flags for... Oh, four flags for Burgoyne. Correct? Yeah, yeah, yeah all four. Yeah, yeah okay. So have you heard that there's... A push in certain quarters for this not to be Burgoyne's last season. Uh, which quarters are they? I don't think they're Sean Burgoyne's quarters because I reckon. No, he's... they're not. But it's it's well, not impossible. Well, the guy's got to be <laughs> the guy's got to be on board with the idea. I would have thought. Yeah, I reckon he's. I reckon he knows he's cooked. Plus, well, that, do you know where they suggest he goes? Oh, Gold Coast. No, no, to follow in the footsteps of Hodge and Birchall. Oh, Brisbane. Okay. Um, I reckon one call from Fagan and it'll it could happen. Really? Mm-hmm. Interesting. Well, I I know there's a I better not say actually. There's a, a project involving Sean Burgoyne, which I think someone I know pretty well will be very keen for that not to happen so he can actually get it done. Um all right, uh, let's keep moving. Joey Kazina says the one thing about 2016 that people forget that is that only two games separated first and seventh. No, Joey, I haven't forgotten that because uh, I've written a bit about the pre-finals by and made the mistake a couple of times of writing about the Bulldogs. Bulldogs fans are very tetchy about not getting enough kudos to that flag and people saying that they won it with the bye. So I always now make a point of saying, well, yeah, the bye absolutely helped them, but they did finish seventh with 15 wins, which is the most any side... Um, has won finishing that low in the eight and indeed 15th, uh, sorry, 15 wins in many other years would be enough to earn you a top four spot. So, yeah, absolutely, that's valid. They were well... Yeah, it was concerned. not the buy that won them the flag, Rowan. Well, it was the three umpires who paid Sydney one free kick in two and a half quarters of football. Yeah, Swans fans weren't too happy with that. I'll tell you, though, like... You can't convince me, and I'm trying to remember who the players were, but I'm pretty sure it was McRae, Libba, Roughhead, might have been Toby McLean, and one other player. I don't think any of them would have played had they not in that elimination final, had there not been the break. I don't reckon they win an elimination final in Perth against the Eagles without those guys playing. Yep. Uh, anyway, ifs and buts, swings and roundabouts, sliding doors. If uh, ifs sounds... and ends were pots and pans. I was going to come on, I was going to make a joke about Damien Barrett's AFL.com column called Sliding Doors, but which actually never has even 
remotely anything to do with sliding <laughs> doors. <laughs> I don't know what that device is, but calling it sliding doors is just completely wrong. All right, let's keep moving. Um, okay, Simon Morris says, you've only got to see Kenneth's tweet tonight to know why he sat Clarko. He's lost the plot. Okay, Simon, can you tell us what that tweet was? Because I... I think I might have muted Jeff. <laughs> or vice versa. Fair dinkum. I mean, look, today, he's done it again today. Yeah, probably vice versa. The Herald Sun running his column today. I mean, like, come on, Jeff. You were premier 22 years ago. Give it a rest, mate. Relevance deprivation syndrome, for God's sake. Um, all right, Joey Kazina again. Do the cats and Ds go all out tomorrow night for top spot or will they not care because they'll be playing interstate regardless next week? That's uh, an interesting one. I hang on, hang on, hang on. What? One thing playing interstate, another thing playing Port Adelaide in Adelaide. Oh yeah, yeah, no, good point. Good point. Um I think gee, tough game to tip that one. You've gone from oh no, we've got to come back to that. Um <laughs> I can't wait for that one. Uh well, I very think, different tonight. I I think Melbourne would be particularly keen. To, I mean, they haven't. Last time they won the minor premiership was last year. They won the flag. So, um, keeping you up there, are we finding? I am so tired. Five a.m. taking my son to work, killing me. Why doesn't he get his license? Well, he's he's now eligible, but they're not testing now. Oh yeah, okay, true, true. Uh, okay, I'm not saying that to my son because I've now been in the car with him whilst he's driven it about three times and I just have crapped my pants White every knuckle. single time. Oh. Oh. <laughs> well, I, look, I'm, I, I reckon 95%, 99% of the time I'm in a car, I'm driving it. This is a sort of symbolic of my uh, desire for um, micromanagement. But when I sit in the passenger seat, there was one particularly rainy Friday night Warrigal Road, which is pretty narrow anyway. And Dead said, every time he drove past a lamp pole, I thought we were going to crash the <laughs> it, was, it was white knuckles. <laughs> We've got any driving instructors watching this show. Can you do us a deal on some lessons for David? Because I don't think I'm going to... Look, don't get me wrong. He's not a bad driver, but I'm not a great passenger. Uh, yeah, it took me a while, but we've been at it two years now, so I'm used oh, to it. And he's actually... My son's ready to drive, just... They're not testing. Oh, Jesus. All right. Um, well, <laughs> Every lamp post. What have, what have I done here? I've just stuffed up the screen so I can't see the comments. Uh, here we go. Okay, so Jeff Kennett's tweet. tweet. Thank you. Damon Jackman, our wonder producer, pointed that out. Uh, Kennett's tweet is, I do not want to be alarmist, but I've just heard from two different sources. Food companies being briefed tonight. The Victorian lockdown will last to the new year. If that is a fact, our society as we know it, families, children, small businesses, small animals will not survive without great pain. Now, I threw in the small animals. Yeah, thanks, Jeff. No, no I don't want to be alarmist, but the whole world's in. Yeah. Going, yeah, Jeff. Be alarmist. <laughs> the whole world's going to end unless we remove the evil Daniel Andrews state government. Uh, okay, so a couple of other people weighing in there. Grant King says, Kenneth said lockdown till Christmas happening. He also said, avoid Warrigal and Highbury Road. It gets skinny. You, what the? Did they mark the lanes for that section of Warrigal Road when everyone was driving those little, you know, the 
little cars like Mr. Magoo or someone drove it. <laughs> the hell is going on there? <laughs> I do have a, I do have a sort of wide. I, I do drive Commodore and it's quite wide, but Jesus. <laughs> All right, and another oh, another good tip from Hayden Murdoch: avoid the speed camera on Batesford Warrigal. Thanks, Hayden. I've been nabbed by it once and I religiously stay under the speed. In fact, that I can tell you that is the highest grossing speed camera in Melbourne. I read a piece on it in the age. It's just, it gets, you never stop at that intersection without seeing it go off at least once or twice. Well, let me tell you, I, I live on Alexandra Avenue. Don't want to say where, but around there. And that's the, the area in front of Alexandra Avenue in front of Botanical Gardens is a 40-kilometre zone. Yeah. Which is ridiculous, say, after after nightfall. Yeah. Well, let me tell you, to the police, to the highway patrol camp there, and they're camping there for the dollars. Yeah, I know. No, it's a great revenue earner. Um, Adrian Sal says, who's this whispers Twitter idiot? Well... <laughs> Damon's laughing. A bit of an incident on my Twitter account last night, and if you want to have a look at it, you can see for yourself how it unfolded. And uh, there's some AFL account with some guy called AFL Trade Whisperer who uh, has got some fairly sizable tickets on himself, I think it's fair to say. Anyway, um, someone sort of had a go at him, and I just replied to that tweet saying, oh, God, I hate that sort of rubbish, you know. I, uh, most of all, I hate people crapping on about trades while I've, Final series is about to start. So I wrote something to that effect. Anyway, this guy has got com gone completely feral and tweeted back to me something about, well, better than being a washed-up hack who can't get a job and has to run stuff on his blog because no one else will employ him or whatever. And, you know, that didn't make me overly happy, admittedly. And I said something like, I told you before, Roko, keep, your name, keep my name out of your mouth. So I responded to that by saying, well, I don't know what your frigging name is, mate. I haven't got a clue who you are, but you've got huge tickets on yourself. So get over it and then FRO. Um, anyway, so he's keeping going today. Obviously, I'm giving him notoriety. Um, someone thinks it's Tony Sheehan. I don't, I don't know if it is. I don't know. Because he's too busy now writing Sheehan Inc. in the Sunday Herald Sun every week. It won't be Tony. It wouldn't be Tony Sheen. He he wouldn't stay. I, I know Tony. He wouldn't stay anonymous. I mean, that's not. Yeah, I don't know. Anyway, uh, yeah, a few people reckon it is. Uh, or Ricky Nixon. <laughs> I thought I got on all right with Ricky Nixon. Not sure about Tony Sheen. Actually, I do remember Tony Sheen completely cracking it with me in the press box one day because I called him Lance Whitnell. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I get on with Tony, so I'm not buying in. All right. Uh, okay, uh, guess what? We've run out of uh, questions. No, we've got another tips. one. Uh, yeah, we can start doing the tips in a minute, but we're on a bit of a roll here. Our audience is remaining very strong. So um, send through some more questions. Look, anything else on the footy agenda? Anything else on any agenda, really, uh, we can talk about? Um... We'll talk about Melbourne Storm equaling the all all-time consecutive wins, Whoop. which is 19. They've won 19 in a row. Yep. Remember, they haven't played in Melbourne since April the 30th. Right. And I don't know if this means anything to you, Rowan, but they did it last night without Jerome Hughes, Brandon Smith, I think it's Justin Olam and, and Big Finucane. 
we're talking about four absolute stars in that team didn't play. They are such a great team. And they were down at halftime and they pounced. How's my the... mate going? Um, how's my mate Welsh. going? Yeah, Christian Welsh. He, I reckon he might have been injured. Good bloke. Uh, he, hasn't, he hasn't got a verified account on Twitter for some reason. Anyway. Uh, okay, here's some more questions. Julian Evans says, is the spate of retirements at the Tigers actually to do with now having to manage the Martin and Lynch contracts? No. I, I don't think so. No, I heard David Asprey, uh, well, I saw him uh, interviewed today and he he was talking about sort of knowing the time when his time was up. It was a really good comment, actually. He said that Alex Ransom said to him, you know that time is up when you start trying to hide from particular situations in a game because you know you're going to get exposed. And uh, yep. I think he said he found that was happening to him. Yep. I'll tell you what, I'll say this about Asbury because I remember being quite impressed with him, you know, when Richmond was still the serial, you know, sort of mediocre team and then elimination final losers. And, you know, a guy... I don't reckon there'd be that many players who'd played in three premierships who'd be as underrated as him for what he's achieved. He's such a cool and composed and smart defender. And, you know, we've we've always talked about Rance and then it became Dylan Grimes. We talked about Basha Hooley. Asprey always seems to have gone under the radar a bit, but he's been a bloody good player. Don't you, you think? Know oh, very good. Very good. Key, key component in premiership teams. Do you know what... I remember when he first started, I was on SEN doing one of my late night programs, I think with Zanners and Milne or something. And, and maybe slightly sniggering, I surmised, I, I, I theorised that he was related to Rod Asprey. No, Rob Asprey. Rod, yeah, you know Rob, uh, yeah, Rob, yeah, yeah. Rob Asprey. I was sort of sniggering a little bit. But then somebody SMS through and said Rob Asprey was a very good footballer. Is that right? They get big, full forward. He kicked big goals in the country. Now, I, I knew Rob. I, I, this is how old I am. I was covering footy for the Sun when Rob was racing around tribunals for Channel Ten. He was uh, he was quite a laughable guy. But geez, he was intense, really intense. Yep. Um, anyway, yeah, that's those of us, uh, those of you out there our age would remember Rob. He was sort of uh, the '80s version of. Oh, I don't want to say Tom Brown. <laughs> Fairness to Rob. <laughs> Tom Brown. What if Tom tweeted something? Oh, anyway. Hey, Tom, if you're watching, I'm sure you're watching. Uh, all right, let's keep going. Alex Ethling says, uh, what is the case that the Eagles won't get smashed by more than 38 points? Do they have anyone retiring to inspire the team? Well, I mean, yeah. there's, still a, there's still a finals chance if they win. That's right. They're out there to win it. Um, but they'd still need Essendon to lose, wouldn't they? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, all right. Uh, Which game's first? Brisbane West Coast is twilight, 4.35. Essendon Collingwood Sunday afternoon. Okay, so that's good. It's, it, at least they're playing while they're still alive. Yeah, and um, Winston killed a Frio. Is that the last game mm-hmm. of the round? 12.15 Sunday in Tasmania. Okay, so when Essendon play, they will know exactly what they need to do, won't they? Which might be nothing. Well, is that possible? Oh, yeah. Yeah, okay, it is. 
If St Kilda beat Freo, when Brisbane beat West Coast, she's over Red Rover. Yeah. yeah okay. Um, uh, Stephen Smith says, "Why doesn't Mark Williams get a look in for the Collingwood job?" I tell you what, the Collingwood job's getting interesting, isn't it? Because Don Pike was all the rage about a week ago, and suddenly people seem to have gone quiet. In fact, I heard a really interesting whisper the other day coming out of Perth, which would mean, you know, it's sort of well-sourced. And, you know, it was a possible Collingwood senior coach. Can you guess the name? No, you you would probably. Out of Perth? Yeah. Well, the name came out of Perth. But, yeah, he is out of Perth. Not a... Did play AFL footy, but not a lot. Don't know. Jamie Graham. Jamie Graham. Yep. Oh, big raps on him. Big raps on him as a coach oh, over there. They love wow. Him. Yeah. Now, if you want to hear some interesting football stories, find out about him leaving St Kilda. Wow. I don't even remember him being at St Kilda. Yeah, assistant coach at St Kilda. We'll go. Are they repeatable or? Well, no, because I'm I'm only second handing it, but Okay, well perhaps not. The I'm not I'm the coach he, the coach he was working under was very difficult. Oh Scott Waters. Yeah. Oh yeah, I know you've got all the dirt on Scott Waters. Um all right, uh, Grant says, Do you think Hardwick's supporting Teague is actually a pre interview for assistant at the Tigers twenty twenty two? Possible. Can I just say, look, I, I tweeted something to this effect yesterday and uh, it was interesting. The Carlton supporters seem to be split about 50-50 on it. I don't think David Teague has been treated well at all. And um, I don't think that, you know, Carlton supporters seem so convinced he, he hasn't measured up. But I don't know about that. I mean, like 50 games, it is effectively two seasons. Yes, he's coached across three seasons. But one of them was half a season, and last year was a shortened season. So three yep. years have effectively become two. They are a much more offensive team now. I think they're a more resilient team now than they were. Defence has been a, an issue, sure, but it's it's not something you can't tidy up. And I just would have thought, um, have a look at what came before him. He's had more success than Brendan Bolton did. He's had more success than Mick Malthouse did. Uh, he's had more success than... Dennis Pagan did, um, you know, like it's they're, they're just, I, I reckon the, the point I made in my tweet was Carlton has spent so long trying to eradicate that stereotype of the Messiah complex, the crooked, you know, not crooked, but the, you know, sort of interfering board that makes rash decisions. And they've just reinforced them again by, by this, if this happens, but also at board level, you know, there's been a lot of agitation about, the shenanigans going on at board level, you know, sort of eroding the rights of the members to change the board. And, um, you know, there's been a lot of disquiet about that. And it's sort of like the culture is so strong. The culture of that is so strong that it seems to almost overpower anyone who tries to do anything about it. And, um, yeah, the, the moneyed interests that sort of linger around that place, the Mathesons, Pratts, blah, 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 I, I don't know how they go about eradicating them because they depend on them pretty heavily for, for money. Uh, but 
gee, it can get in the way of, of running a, an orderly sort of contemporary football club with acceptable hiring practices and, and uh, the, the requisite patience you need if you're doing a, a proper rebuild. I, I just think Carlton supporters, I don't know if a majority of Carlton supporters are too bullish about their list, but I look at Carlton where they are on the ladder and that's about exactly where I thought they'd be on the ladder. What about you? There's a lot of prats at Carlton. Oh, that's very good. Very good. Is that all you're going to say? You don't want to make a yeah, serious comment it, about it that? It really is. I agree with what you said, but that's my comment. Okay. Um, <laughs> what a lot of comments about Tom Brown, which I'll just let through. <laughs> Stop it. Uh, got a lot of comments about Rob, Rob Asbury. Hayden <laughs> uh, <laughs> Murdoch observing that he was Graham Kennedy's good friend. He was a good friend of Graham Kennedy. Correct. Um, Harper Pestinger, good day, Harper. Harper wrote a, a couple of really good pieces of footyology this week, everyone. A piece about the uh, local football, the Geelong District Football League and Werribee Centrals, who very unfairly were going to be cast out of the finals because of lockdown, because they're classified as being in the metro area and all the Geelong sides aren't. But I think um, someone can update me on this, but I think all regional footy was about to be called off, wasn't it, this weekend? Were, there was a meeting on tonight, I think, at which it was very likely that would happen. Anyway, Harper says, were the pessimistic predictions for Essendon overdone? The four players they lost hardly contributed anything in 2020. Three top 10 draft picks came in and they finished 13th last season, above where most people had them this year. Adding some players returning from injury, I reckon anyone who had Essendon in the bottom four was pretty foolish. Well, thanks, Harper. <laughs> I think, I'll try to remember where I put him, but it was pretty low. Uh, I might have had him, I don't know, I might have had him 13th or 14th, which is just above bottom four. Where do you have this? Or did you do all that at Finding? Yeah, we did all that. Had him in the bottom four. They were terrible last year. They finished yeah, they off were. terribly. They were. And uh, look, we had no idea, you know, Cox, Perkins. I don't think many people saw Harry Jones coming. Um, you know, having been a very good year, great year. Yeah, they've actually missed him the last couple of weeks, I reckon. Um, but yeah, you couldn't sort of bank on that. I don't think anyone saw the rapid rise of Darcy Parrish. Um, you know, Laverde becoming a really solid backman, Draper, uh, after coming back from injury, sort of being as good as he has been. Um, look, it's a real vote of tick for Ben Rutten, no question about that. Yep. Uh, I, you know, look, I, I said to a few people this week, whether Essendon make the finals or not, it's been a big success this year. They should be really happy with it. Uh, Frogger asks, why do you think Ross Lyon has so clearly sought to distance himself from the Collingwood job? Because they haven't called him. Well, they did call him, though. Are you saying he made that up? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I... I... He was very keen to make it known that he would have been interested if Eddie had still been president. Yeah, there's something strange going on there. You know, really? you know, look, I don't mind Ross. I get on a right with Ross one-on-one. I've never liked his demeanour at press conferences. I think he comes across as a bit arrogant and sort of dismissive. But I was having a debate with someone about how good a media performer he was. I find him hard to listen to sometimes because he never, he never finishes a sentence. He sort of gets halfway through a sentence and then he goes on to another thought. Gee, that reminds yeah. me of someone. Anyway. Um, 
Do you reckon he's a good media performer? Not particularly. No. Anyway, I can't watch that show. Like, I physically can't watch it. I put it on and then I just sort of develop a nervous tick. Um, and you can sort of interpret about that what you what you will. Uh, a bit of agreement about what we're saying about David Teague. Uh, Leroy Jones says, Scott Waters was a very talented boxer. Barry Michael tried to poach him. Poach him to where? Boxing United. Uh, Andy Marr said tonight that Jeannie Pratt is funding a $12 million pitch for Clarko for seven years. Interesting. There you go. And that's why the Pratts uh, have such influence at Carlton. Uh, okay. I'm just rounding. Who's funding the Ross line push? Dick Pratt's mistress. Oh no! Don't don't. Finally, I can't afford to get sued on this. What do you program. mean? He he officially had a mistress. Yeah, I know, know, I, know, I know. I know. I know. Jenny was all right with it, wasn't she? Pardon? She wasn't Jenny. Okay, she ticked off on it. She <laughs> <laughs> ticked off on it. Yeah. Jo- right. Let's have a look at the weekly budget. Joey says that the Herald <laughs> Herald Sun are reporting a full state lockdown tomorrow to be announced. Yeah, because um, of Shepparton. Yeah, well, okay, fair enough. But, Joey, you haven't told us about the accompanying four opinion pieces um, which will slag off the Andrews government for de- destroy. Oh, hey, d- Ripper on Twitter today, some conservative American journo plucked out some random tweet of mine from about a year ago and, and called it a, an anthropological study about Melbourne. It was a video of people on St Kilda Beach, like, disobeying the social distancing and stuff, and I had a sizable crack at him. Anyway, this guy said, oh, interesting anthropological study on Melbourne. And I thought, oh, you're a bit of a smart-ass. So I tweeted back and I said, you do know that Australia, relatively speaking, has handled this okay. He said, no, actually, I think you've handled it terribly. And I said, mate, your country has had 634,000 people die of coronavirus and you're lecturing us on our performance? Get stuffed. Anyway, um, seriously, American exceptionalism. Hey, it's over. It's over, the US. You're not, you know, we don't, we don't, you know, bow at your feet anymore. I'm sorry. Uh, Okay, GDFL final. You can make enemies anywhere, can't you? Yeah, that's good. I'm good at it. I'm good at it. Uh, Whether it's AFL trade whisperer or some, some complete knob writing for a neoconservative think tank in the US. Yep, they seek me out. I'm a magnet to dickheads. Uh, Robert Rice says the GDFL finals have been cancelled. Uh, Ross doesn't like Craig Kelly, says Grant King. Oh, yeah, that's interesting. Given that Craig Kelly doesn't have an official connection with Colin, does he? He just wants to be a power broker. Uh, footy classifieds unbearable, non-stop talking over each other. True, true, JP. Uh, Ross is like Mick. Carlton will have another Malthouse in press conferences. Uh, James L. Will says it's time to give the fans what they want, find his rap album. No, not happening. Not being funded by footyology, I'll tell you that. I'm uh, good at the tips, though. 
uh, Quentin Gotting just says, what are your thoughts on the Andrews government, Broco? Another time, Quentin. I think they've made some big mistakes, uh, but I like the direction that they've given. And I think the last year, they by and large got things pretty right. And I think that they haven't had the free kick in a media sense that a certain government north of the Murray has. And you've only got to look at how the two situations have been reported by the same media organisation. Uh, regional footy off. Roko loves a barb. I do. Cool story, bro, says Elle. I don't know what you're talking about, Elle. Um, would you be okay with 19 teams, says Adrian. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think it's a big deal. I mean, look, we, we've had – how many – Years have we had uneven. So we had uh, 15 teams for, oh, it wasn't that long, was it? Two years? 95 and Ugh. six. Oh, look, you just grab a bit of shut eye there for me. I'll, I'll take it. Um, <laughs> as Stephen, Stephen Giles likes the way I deal with dickheads magnificently. Thanks, Stephen. Much appreciated. Uh, Simon Morris says Carlton's been a coach killer. Okay, it's time we did the tips. And we're not going to labour over them as long this week because we're... we're no, we're not, actually. Great. I'm pleased to hear it. Um, I've got two messages. One from our producer, Damon. Oh, that's good, Damon. No, Damon, I'm, I'm not going to look at your super coach team for this week, mate. You have to do that elsewhere. And uh, oh, I've got a text from a uh, very nice friend of mine. Are you now doing personal messages off your phone? No, not That's this not one. On. Not this one. Um, all right, so uh, games this week. So what's our tipping device, Finey? All right. Now, what's going to happen is this. I'm going oh, to Sorry, you. sorry, sorry, sorry. I'm sorry. One last thing. Leroy Jones says that Eddie wants a split conference of 10 sides each. And my response to that is, can we last one week without Eddie coming up with some desperately convoluted plan that involves him crapping on for about 10 minutes. Why is Eddie so desperate to be Mr. Fixer for this state? I mean, come on in. Every single week, it's a sporting precinct here or it's a, what was the other one? The Tasmanian plan, you know, which other people have been able to sort of convey in about 30 seconds. Took him half a show. And if you're not the Collingwood president anymore, stop talking like you are. Stop saying I'm not the Collingwood president anymore and then proceeding to crap on about Collingwood for the next 10 minutes. It's not that hard. Okay, fine, go on. By the way, I like the idea of two 10-team conferences. We need a 20th team, though. Okay, let's move on. Oh, sorry, one more. <laughs> I'm getting my own back. Um, just be uh, yeah, I'm, in case I forget before, if you're not a footyology patron, become one because it helps us keep going. Now, um, times get a bit tough when the footy stops because obvious sources of revenue dry up. In fact, you are likely to see both Mark Fine and myself out on the streets begging bowl in hand or busking, um, you know, or, or in Finey's case, perhaps Grey Streets and Kilda. You know, like it's at times... No, I don't mean that. <laughs> You're an idiot. Your times, name's just dragging it on with rubbish. Times are tough. So, um, you know... Please support us. $7 a month. You get all this great content. You get this sort of stuff. 
you know, this. It's funny, it's funny actually, Rowan. Can't be any less funny than Australian comedy these days. Go on. It's funny, you know, you're, you're portraying me as various. No, I don't think you're giving hand jobs down in St Kilda fighting. No, I don't. Which one of us has gone out on the street dressed as a woman singing? <laughs> I have. I have. And it's also available on YouTube. Okay, so there you go. Okay, no, fair point. Okay, so what's our tipping device? I'm going to name a club. It's the team that the side that I'm tipping had their first win of the season against. Oh, boss. Um, You're going to name a club. Yeah. And that club had their first win. Yeah. So whoever I'm tipping, I'm going to name the side they had their first win this year against. They, their but first what if we're tipping the same side? The answer's the same. Well, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. That's not going to work. Yeah, no, it'll work because to prove that you know, it's, it's all right. With your tips, with your tips, you're just being tested here. That is true. I'm just testing you. So that's all we're doing. My testing you. Now, you this have to is, know. This is about audience participation. That's okay, because once you name the team that I tip, you are then going to have to identify the game and tell me what happened in that game. Just go with it. What's oh, the first game we're going to I have no idea what you're talking about, but okay. First game. All right. So first game tomorrow is uh, Richmond taking on Hawthorne at the MCG, 1.35 p.m. And uh, final farewell game for Alistair Clarkson and Sean Burgoyne. My tip is Essendon. <laughs> uh, so your tip is Hawthorne And what happened because, in that game? Uh, Hawthorne beat Essendon by one point Came back from seven goals down Correct Okay, so how do I deliver my tip? Who are you tipping? Hawthorne <laughs> <laughs> So you're tipping Essendon That's okay I'm tipping Essendon All right no, this isn't one of your best fights. Sorry. So the punters are giving the thumbs down. This is going down about as well as your rap song. Uh, all right, next. Okay, next game. So we're both tipping Hawthorne. Yep. All right. Oh, um, uh, Big Al, uh, Al J. Meyer uh, finally wants to know if you've got an OnlyFans account. What's that? <laughs> it's um, where all the porn stars go to sort of do private videos for people and pay money. Except... I read a piece about this today. They're, they're getting rid of hardcore porn on OnlyFans. You can still post, it's all right, fine. You can still post nude photos, but you can't have, <laughs> you can't have hardcore uh, adult action. That was from L. Oh, L. Oh, come on, L. Be cheeky of you. I thought it was L. Sorry. There you go. You see, Rowan? Okay. Well, L, have you got an OnlyFans account? I might oh, subscribe. Yeah. Uh, all right, come on. Funny. So next game, next game yep. is I'm just kidding, Al. I didn't I didn't mean that. Uh one forty I would subscribe. One forty five PM uh Sydney taking on Gold Coast. Okay, I'm going for Brisbane. Uh which means you're tipping Sydney, uh, who thrashed Brisbane in a surprise upset in round one of this season. There you go. Well uh, I'm also going for Brisbane, which means I'm also going for Sydney, who if you were going for the other team. Who would you have tipped? Oh, I don't remember any Gold Coast games. Um, oh, hang on. 
No, I can't remember. Who would I have tipped? North Melbourne in round two. Was that here? No. Oh, Metricon. Yep. All right. Um, <laughs> okay. Next uh, game is uh, Brisbane taking on West Coast. Big, uh, okay. re- big ramifications here. That game is at uh, 4.35 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Uh, you can watch it on my OnlyFans account where I won't be appearing nude, but I will be reading uh, off the top of my head without help a list of every premiership winner since 1897. That's got to be worth good money. I don't want to be so stupid tonight. All right, come on. Who won the 1957 grand? Oh, that's easy. Who won 1936? Nah, you know what? I'm, I'm okay after 40. Now ask me one after 40. All right, 43. Uh, that was um, uh, Richmond beat Essendon. Yeah. All right, back to this. I'm tipping Collingwood in this game. Okay, and that means that you are tipping... Uh, Jesus, hang on. Um, oh, you're tipping Brisbane. And uh, that is because Zach Bailey kicked go after the side well, of Marvel Stadium. In there round three, I think, to be Collingwood. I was there that night. Yep. I was actually in the press box that evening. Next. Um, next is... Did you, like, come up with this about 10 seconds before he came on? Or? No, no, no. Okay. Because well, it's the last game of the year, I thought I'd take you all the back, way back to the start of the season. Oh, okay, okay. I see the logic. It doesn't necessarily convert into audience participation, but... Never mind. Next game is uh, 7.35 p.m. at GMHBA Stadium. It is a battle for top spot on the AFL ladder and it's between Geelong and Melbourne. And finally, your tip? I'm going for, I think, Brisbane. You think Brisbane? No, maybe not. No, I'm going for Fremantle. Fremantle. Uh, Well... That means you are tipping Melbourne because they yeah. beat Fremantle in round one. Yeah, they did. They did. Uh, at the MCG, that's right, Fremantle were ordinary. Okay, well, I am tipping Hawthorne. Brisbane. Did Geelong beat Brisbane in round one? Round two. Geelong lost to Adelaide. Oh, and beat Brisbane and then they beat Hawthorne in Remember round three. Remember that, that holding the ball decision? Oh, down to Cattery. Yeah, 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 right. Um, the non-holding the ball. Yeah. Uh, that was Bailey tackled Blitzarks. Yep. All right. So, uh, Finey's tipping Melbourne. I'm tipping Geelong in that one. Uh, Elle's still with us. She's She remembered Zach Bailey after the siren. Well done, Elle. You, uh, your knowledge is superb, Elle. All right, and uh, sorry, it's just that AFL app's just refreshed again. I love the way the AFL app refreshes, like, literally every 10 seconds. But if you want live team stats on your PC, you have to manually refresh it. Otherwise, it gives you stats from about round 7, 1972. (coughs) And Luke Mason, if you are watching this tonight, mate, I put you onto this about eight weeks ago. Get some bloody action happening, Luke. Come on. All right, next game is... It is uh, Carlton GWS at Marvel Stadium. Benicum, I'm going to crack it. Um, 
7.40 p.m. Saturday night. Carlton GWS, who's your tip for me? Collingwood. That means you're going for GWS, who didn't beat... And GWS lost their first three games, so they must have beaten Collingwood in round four. Uh, at Giant Stadium? No, at the MCG, I think. Yeah, I've got no memory of that at all. I think they had a couple um, win at the G, didn't they? No idea. Anyway, I'm tipping them as well. What's that, right? My God. Uh, see, you've done it for me. We've still got 140 viewers here, which is like double what we normally have at this stage of the show. And I knew this was a good one. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I want them to come back. Um, all right, here we go. Uh, scrolls down the app again. And uh, so I'm going for GWS as well, as he's funny. Uh, Sunday, we've got 12.15 p.m. at Blundstone Arena, Hobart, St Kilda, taking on Fremantle. I'm going to announce my tip first this yeah. time. I am going for, no, I can't, because I've got no idea who Freo is. But well, here's the good the one. Rowan? Yeah. I'm going for GWS. Uh, because... Rio beat GWS to get their first win. No, what? Yep. What are we doing? Frio beat GWS to get their first win of the season, right? Correct. So did St Kilda. Oh, trick question. Trick question. Very good. So the winning margin I'm going for is 31 points. And that was how much um, Fremantle won by? Yeah, round two. Okay, Jesus, really stuck in my head that one. Um, That's interesting. Right. They were both GWS. That is fascinating. Three twenty p.m. <laughs> MCG Essendon is playing Collingwood, and uh, I can do this one. I am going for. I'm not going to like this, am I? Uh, oh yes, and Kilda. Why <laughs> <laughs> so about? 7,238 points. Yep. Uh, seven, 75, I think. Yep. Uh, Janine, <laughs> Janine says, what the hell are you two talking about? Janine, I've got no idea. <laughs> this is Fanny's <laughs> idea. It's uh, We're tipping for this week and we're tipping by saying the names of other teams who the team we're tipping beat to record their first win of the season. And apparently we're all supposed to be on board with that, but um, I don't know. I'm just playing along because it keeps him happy. But you've done and, well. Uh, I have done well. I've kept my cool. And um, last game of the round is Adelaide taking on North Melbourne at uh, 4.40 p.m. Adelaide time. All right, you can give your tip. Well, this uh, is the big surprise. I mean, I'm oh, tipping, yes. I'm yeah, tipping Geelong. I'm tipping Geelong as well. And Janine, we're both tipping Geelong because we're in fact tipping Adelaide, who in fact beat Geelong in round one of this season. Actually, you know what the best thing about this was? That we got through the tips in less than about 35 minutes. It's, uh, it's been nights that's occupied about half the show. And I don't, I refuse to believe we've still got 140 people watching. Seriously, if 140 people are still watching this, Lockdown's really gotten to people. <laughs> you know, he said nothing better to do. Like, I wouldn't be watching this if I wasn't doing it. Um, no, I would. <laughs> I would. Uh, all right. Okay, I think we're done. Um, we've been going, yeah, about our usual time. Uh, thanks, Eric. Good fun tonight. It's good fun. Dramatic, 
dramatic uh, result. Let's recap the details. Uh, Damon, can you put the details up again? Is that? Let's do them again. I'll just call them up on my phone. Uh, so Port Adelaide officially claiming a top two spot with a dramatic two-point win, not leading at any stage of the evening until under five minutes left on the clock. Final scores, Port Adelaide 9-12-66, defeated the Bulldogs 10-4-64. Um, Tim Dole reckons there's your promo for next week. <laughs> uh, thanks, Tim. What, the bit where I say I wouldn't watch it? <laughs> um, uh, AJ Myers says, "Don't see yourself short. Footyology's been great again this year. No, appreciate it, AJ. We know Is this our last show, or we're doing one next week? We're doing one for the next four weeks. Oh no, hang on, Friday night. Actually, we did one after the grand final last week, and we got what, yeah, three times. We should. Yeah, no, no, we'll keep we'll keep going. Um, do you want us to keep going, people out there? But for this one, the final sign, because I, I reckon we should do one." Next Friday night, then a couple of Saturday nights, then the grand final. Yeah, well, it depends what I've got on, which at this stage probably won't be a lot. <laughs> so, well, according to Kenneth, we're in lockdown until the end of the year. Oh, we know. You know, the bloke that was Premier 2,000 years ago. He just needs to be known as the bloke who got rid of Clarkson. Yeah, yeah, that's good. That, that'll, that, that's the legacy I want for Jeff out of his yeah. stewardship of this state. The man who sacked arguably the greatest coach ever. <laughs> funny if they had the history that Melbourne had after they sacked Norm Smith, wouldn't it? Oh, look, the punters are just going mad. Yes, yes, we've got to come back. Yes, yeah, Saturdays too, says El. El, I know you've got a partner. Does he put up with this? Like, do you ever pay him any attention? Come on. <laughs> this is a good show, mate. Oh, Actually, no, it's not it's... a good show. It's just good compared to what it, the, the stuff that's on TV. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a good show relative to what's on free-to-air TV, which isn't necessarily a big call these days. Did they still do that thing after the footy with Cooney oh, and... Oh, um, Luke, uh, Cam Luke. Yeah, that's uh, Is that still on? Yeah, they do, yeah. But I think Luke, uh, Cam Luke ran out of funky outfits to wear. Um, but that, it's still going. I think I'm going to end up with virtually every person in the football media completely hating my guts by the time I get out of it. Actually, hang on, that's not possible. I already did anyway. And you know what? I don't care anymore. I really don't care. Um, We're done. Oh, okay. No partner, says Elle. All right. Just only fans. All right. Are you, El, can you just hang around after the show and have a quick word to our producer? And because uh, I, I might, you know, might be able to. I'm going to get in real trouble here. Yeah, we're still. I'd, I'd rather see that. I'd rather see that. I want to catch up with El. I really like you, El. Go on. Go I'd on. rather see an eclipse with no visual, with no eyeglasses to save my sight. Than see you naked. Oh, so would I. <laughs> so, so would I. Yeah, so would I. Uh, I'm getting better though. I, I, like I'm starting to lose a bit of weight. I don't reckon I look too bad for my age, just quietly. Neither do you, Fanny. Anyway, let's get out of here. All right, like, we're done. Okay, so uh, we're done. Thanks, everyone. Good night. Good fun. Uh, good luck for the rest of the weekend with your teams. We'll be back. Uh, Sunday evening to wrap up round 23 in podcast form. This is available in podcast form if you thought it was so good, you want to actually listen to it again. And um, 
of course, you can visit my OnlyFans account. I don't even know how you do that. No, I haven't set one up yet. But um, oh, Kate likes it too. Hi, Kate. Uh, you can visit my OnlyFans account. No, you can visit the Patreon links to become an official footyology patron. I'm in an unusually good mood tonight, and I've got no idea why. I think it's locked down. I've just completely and utterly lost it. Anyway, thanks. We'll be back. Uh, I've already said that. And um, we'll be back here. There will be a final on Friday night. We know that. So we will definitely be back here Friday night. And then we'll, you know, who knows? We might be back Saturday, Sunday. We might even do a like a Wednesday morning footyology. You're doing this because I'm really tired. <laughs> I, I, no, you, you attach too much, uh, um, too much skullduggery to me. I'm just doing it because I've completely and utterly lost my shit and uh, I've just about done with lockdown. I haven't been talking to enough people, so now I'm just blabbering on. Yeah, it did get weird, Dan. Yeah. Okay. All right. Now we're going. <laughs> we're going. Yeah, I, I am setting you up with my producer. Hey, I've done it before. Don't worry. I've done it before. In fact, I actually... Can I just make a confession here before we go? I actually did set up a date for myself via a producer. Uh, another time and another place uh, in the rooms of an AFL club. And can I just tell you, uh, this is all I need to say to finish off. I really, really, really wish I hadn't. To give you a clue who I'm talking about. All right, we're done here. Thanks for your company, everyone. Uh, we'll catch you later.